You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Hi, guys. All right, well, the thing I love most about the last 10 minutes when Andrew does announcements is I feel like you get a really clear picture of who we are as a family. So if this is your first time or like you've been here just like a couple of times, you now know that we like to suck the brains out of crawfish and that our, our, our senior pastor is a rock star and uh, that we're all about healing, which is awesome, and also that we make our visitors compete <laughs> to get things um, and that we ha- have a high, high value for competition here at Acts 2. Um, welcome. Well, I'm excited to share with you. I'm feedbacking. I don't know where to go, but I'll just stay here. Um, I, I'm excited to speak this morning and to share what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. Um, as Andrew mentioned, my name is Danielle. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I do a lot of things, and I um, have two really great kids, and my husband uh, and I have been married for just over seven years. He's actually taking care of the baby right now, um, hopefully watching on the TV. Hi, honey. Um, but I, I actually, I have, hmm, I'm being bold um, because uh, one thing you should know, two things you should know about me. One, my husband and I are the youth pastors here, so if there's high energy moments in this message. It's, it's partly that, also partly just my um, personality. Um, but also, I got my degree in acting, <laughs> so that will explain just a few things up, up front. Um, so I, I'm going to be bold because I actually feel like I got a prophetic word um, for the body of Christ, which feels like big, right? Like that's huge. Like not like, oh, I got a prophetic word for one person. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. But I feel like the Lord just gave me like this picture of like where the church is. <laughs> so I'm going to share that with you. Can I be brave and do that with you? Okay. I had this. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> I had I had this picture about a month ago. I went on a walk with Jesus, and um, he was showing me a lot of stuff. I actually pulled out my, my phone and started rec- voice recording because it was, like, so much. But this picture I got, um, and I hope I can articulate this clearly, is I saw a picture of the bride waking up. I saw, and it was a prophetic picture of the church as the bride of Christ, um, waking up and, and for in a new way coming to the table without shame. That's what I saw, and I've and I since that picture, I've started to see movements and mo- moments really shifting our perspective on shame as the church, and and what shame is, and what it does, and how to eliminate it. And this picture of the bride coming to the table without shame, hear me, it wasn't actually because the bride was all cleaned up and therefore could come. We actually, the bride was coming unashamed of the stuff. And was at the table, and it was at the table that the bride became clean. But we, we were breaking the preconception, right, that our humanity actually disqualifies us. And it, it started me on this journey, and for the past month, I've really been on this journey. And it, listen, it has been a process with trials and tribulations along the way. But this journey of falling in love with my humanity and actually really being okay with the fact that he didn't make me an angel, He didn't make me perfect, actually. Actually. And that's design. Like, my humanity is design. 
And he's had me on this journey of falling in love with the fact that I'm not perfect and falling in love with my weakness because the Bible says in my weakness, he's made strong. If I have no weakness, then I don't get to see his manifest strength in my life. And so I have this picture for the body of Christ that we're starting to realize. For too long, the church has called humanity hypocrisy. And we've taken these things that make us human and we've called, we've called them disqualifiers. Do you hear me? And we've disqualified too many people in leadership, in the body, from being able to be fully free of shame. Because we, the church itself has put shame on people by saying, you messed up, you're, you're human, a hypocrite, hypocrite. Spoiler alert, we're all hypocrites. And that's okay. What this isn't is not, there's just like Galatians 5 here, people. This is not the, the freedom to just go out and live your life and do whatever. That's not what I'm saying. It's not grace to go sin more. But it's this freedom of recognizing that, no, actually, actually you're human. And your humanity is so beautiful and lovely and chosen and designed by the Father. He craves your, your weakness. He loves your weakness. It's why we have to be tapped into grace in every single area of our life. Because you are going to fail. You are going to fail. You're going to fail big. So being tapped into his grace and recognizing that it covers, no, that it cleanses, <laughs> and that it's a constant resource. Okay. Well, that has absolutely nothing to do with what I want to share with you today. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Here at Acts 2, we have a value for not giving away something that you don't own. What I mean by that is you, you can't give someone the freedom that you don't have. You have to give away something that you own. But, we, but in that, again, don't want to have any disqualifiers. So here's what I'm going to tell you. What I own about this message is actually the process of it. I'm owning the process of this for my life right now. So I'm going to give you the process, okay? I'm not giving you the final cleaned up version. I don't own that yet. But what I do own is the process of this. So that's what I'm going to give away for you today. And what we're talking about this morning is fruitfulness. So how many of you would say, I want to be fruitful in my life? Yes. And I'm not talking about wanting to be fruitful and multiply. That's good too. <laughs> single people, find a husband, find a wife, then you can be fruitful too. Yeah, girl, let's go. Um, <laughs> that's good too. Um, but I'm talking about a life that bears fruit. And that's such a Christianese way of saying that every single thing that you are doing is producing something. It's in your design. It's in your makeup. Right? The word says our tongue, our words have the power to create life and death. Your words are producing fruit. Period. Your thought life has the power to produce the life you're living in. Your thought life can produce the world around you. This is bearing fruit. Your relationships, your friendships, they're producing fruit of some kind, good or bad. Hmm. How you eat, how you work out is producing the, the body that you're living in. How you move through this world is producing is producing your body, right? Everything that you're doing is producing fruit. 
even the world understands the concept of sowing and reaping. They say things like what goes around comes around, right? Or, or, or they have this weird understanding of karma. Oh, that's karma. Actually, no, they sowed seeds. They reaped fruit, right? We're sowing seeds. We're reaping fruit. So many people want to change their circumstances, but you sow, if you're sowing in, in bad soil, you're going to not reap good things. Here's a perfect example. I, I lived um, for a really long time with an eating disorder. I had body dysmorphia, like the whole nine, okay? And, I, and it, was real, it was my reality. But I was sowing in self-hatred and hoping to reap in health. Does this make sense? I was sowing in my, into my body. I was sowing in health, self-hatred. This, this is a word for everyone. If you're sowing in self-hatred, you can't reap health. You're not going to reap a body of love. So I actually, I got real skinny. I was living about 40 pounds lighter than I am today. That was my constant. And, and, and I went, but it didn't, it didn't matter. The self-hatred was still there. I was still reaping fruits of self-hatred. It didn't end. It never ended. And even not somebody that's dealing with a, an eating disorder, but if you're just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diet. I'm going to change my life because I hate the body I'm looking at. You're not going to reap good fruit. What's going to happen is you're, maybe you will get the body you desire, whatever that means, Right, but the actual the fruit you're going to reap is still going to be self hatred because that's what you sowed in, or, or it's going to fall. It's, you're going to go right back. That's why we see so many yo yo diets. I'm sowing in self hatred and it's producing this, and then and then here I am, you know, six months later back in the same boat. If you're sowing in jealousy and comparison, you're not going to reap a life of freedom. It's not going to produce freedom. If you're on your Instagram comparing right? Or jealous of that person at work that got promoted above you or jealous of that person that's on the worship team or, right, comparing to that mom who seems to have it all together, whatever it may be. If you're sowing in comparison, it's not going to actually produce the fruit that you want to see. If you're sowing in anger and bitterness, you're not going to reap in joy. This is a concept that everybody across the board, the world understands sowing and reaping, right? And you may even actually listen, you may even make the right changes. Like I can compare myself to a mom on Instagram who's got her life all together and I can decide I'm going to have a clean house. I'm going to have this kind of time with my kids. I'm going to do this thing this way. And it might actually produce what looks like fruit on the surface, but I'm not going to be reaping freedom because I'm, I'm, I'm not focused on the right fruit. I'm actually not focused on producing fruit in a healthy way. So what does it actually mean to bear fruit? We're going to start, I'm, we're going to work in a few passages today, but we're going to start actually in Galatians 5, which is, a, it is the passage about the fruit of the Spirit. What I love so much is that this passage is actually planted right in the middle of what I like to call the freedom chapter. It's all about freedom, right? It's all about the freedom that we have because of the grace in Jesus, and then he, and then he points us to the fruit that is the fruit of life with him. So let's just take a look at what those are. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and this is in the Passion Translation, which we really love. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue Faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. 
That's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit produced by a life with the Spirit is these things here. How many of you remember that, like, uh, when, you were, when you were in, like, Bible school or whatever, the song? Can anybody sing it, like, out for me? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, I know April's not the only one that knows it. But April's the only one that was brave enough to sing it out loud. You go, girl. You go, April. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay, well, now you'll know. You made me do it by myself. I know you know it. I know you know it. So if you want to know, right, this is, uh, can we throw it back up so I can look at it? Um, we actually just went through this with the youth. Um, how many students we got in the room right now? Just, we, got some, we got some students. Hi, girls. Hey, Kaylin. Um, we, uh, so we just went through this with the youth, focusing one week per fruit, talking about what that actually looks like, that fruit to be manifesting in your life, right? But it's just a way to check. It's a check engine light. This is not what we're after, actually. This is actually just a, this is actually just the um, the fruit of the root system, and if we're after just fruit, I'm going to talk to you about what can actually happen. Okay, so where am I? So we we actually we actually have it a little bit difficult, I believe, in this culture that we live in right now because we have a tool for everything. We have every single resource available to us. We have every single resource available to us. Are you having this issue? This issue? Read this book. Are you having this problem? Follow this person on Instagram. Need fresh, fresh revelation? There's an app for that. You know what I'm saying? Like Danny Silk's got his app. I'm on that. I'm on that Soul Time app all the time. Like it's revelation all the time, right? It's awesome. But we have a resource for everything. We have a resource for everything. If you want to get over your anxiety, there's a great book for that. If you want to get free from depression, there's a great book for that. And listen, hear me, hear me. These are great resources. I believe they're God-breathed. I believe so many of them are Holy Spirit-inspired. They're right. They're good. But we can chase a bunch of really great resources and never actually deal with the root system. And we can even apply Holy Spirit tools. We can even press into some really good stuff. But if we're not dealing with the root system, then we're going to have this fruit change on the surface. But it is not sustainable. It is not sustainable. So, side note, not in my notes, but you have to know for you, you have to know for you if it's a God thing or if it's just a good thing. You have to know for you. Hey, listen, that, that Brian, Brian Johnson just came out with a book about um, when God becomes real. And he's being very, very real about his struggle with anxiety, crippling anxiety, talking like in the bed can't get out anxiety, okay? And he's talking about this, but you need to know, is that book for you for now? Do you have it within, within you? Do you have that relationship with Holy Spirit to go, okay, is this for me or is this, is this for now? Can I ask that question? Because there's resources for ab- absolutely everything. And if it's for you and it's for now and it's from Holy Spirit, then it's going to produce the fruit that he wants to see happen from it. But if it's not, it, 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 can, it, can, it can help you. It can be a great tool, but it's not going to be sustainable. Okay. So we're going to be actually spending our time because I think sometimes we're, we're, we're going after changing the fruit before we take a look at what the word actually says about being fruitful. So we're going to spend our time in John 15 today. So I want you to remember, before we go into this, preface, this entire passage is red letter, okay? So every single thing is out of the mouth of Jesus, okay? Okay, straight from the source here, people. You ready? John 15, I am a true spouting vine, 
and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. Next verse. Every branch in me, oh, I'm in New King James. What is this? Is this? Can we do New King James? I'm going to throw you a loop because I'm going to use some of that, but I actually want to see it in New King James if possible. I'll read it to you while she's getting it ready. I am the true vine, and my, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, hold on. Jesus is talking. You tell me Jesus needs to be pruned? Okay, break out the shears, God, because if Jesus is saying every branch needs pruning, then I, you, oh, cut me up. You better start trimming, right? This is Jesus talking. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it can bear even more fruit. I do nothing that my father, that I don't hear my father say, right? Okay, now hold on. This word here, the word uh, takes away, well, you don't see it, but I see it on my page. Um, the word there, take away, that word more closely actually um, translates to the word up. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes up. And passion has already translated it for you, so this was kind of a little spoiler alert thing. And I like the dramatic, so I wanted this to be a big reveal, but you already know the answer. Um, culturally, that taking up, would they would have understood that that meant that the vines were lifted up off of the ground and taken closer to the Father. That the vine dresser would actually pull them closer to the sun to receive more light, more nutrients, more water. That it actually translates to taking it up, not taking it away. It's good, right? So, closer up to the Father in order to bear more fruit. Okay, verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean, not you are to be cleaned. You are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. You are clean. Verse 4, here it is, you ready? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And there it is. It's the end of my message. You want fruit? Abide in the Father. Literally. Literally. Unless we're abiding in Jesus, we can produce a life of fruit. We can make all the right changes. We can read all the right resources. We can have all the right tools. But if you're not abiding, this is the root system, right? If we're not becoming like the vine that, or like the branch that is plugged into the vine to receive everything we need from him, the fruit will not last. And that word abide actually more closely to the word, translates to the word remain, to remain in me. And the Passion Translation actually says, remain in life union with me. Remain in life union with me. So if you're looking around and you're saying, oh, I'm, not, I'm not bearing a life of fruit right now. I don't see a lot of fruit in my life. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I'm not seeing a lot of that. And we're looking at our circumstances to change, to change that fruit. Don't you dare blame your circumstances. Check the level at which you're remaining in life union with the king. It actually has nothing to do with who's surrounding you or the situation that you're in 
or how it's going at your house or your job or your or if you've not been noticed or if you've not been appointed or if you've not been given the authority or if you've not been given the grace or if you've not been given the whatever in the natural, it actually has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with how you're remaining. This is the root system that we're going after. I don't have fruit because of this situation. I'd say Paul produced a lot of fruit from prison, wouldn't you? chained to some guards. All right, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. I spent a lot of years spinning my wheels and doing a lot. I was doing a lot. I was producing a lot. But he tells me without him, I can do nothing. There's a very big difference between producing and performing. And now I'm talking to you as a real-life performer here, people. <laughs> Achieving, performing is very important to me. And for a long time, that perfectionism thing was the death of my soul. I'm talking about it. Okay. I don't know if anybody in here relates to me. This is me being bold and brave and telling you, hey, performance over here. Earn the love. Earn it. Achieve for status. This, is my, this, has, been, this has been the death of my soul. This is the thing that I had to go, Jesus, heal this. Okay? So there's a very big difference between producing and performing. Because when we're performing, you actually can produce what looks like fruit. We've already talked about that. You can actually produce what looks like fruit. And you get your wheels spinning, you start producing what looks like fruit, and you can go, I got this. I don't got to remain. I have got this. I got fruit to prove it. And then pride comes in, and then all of a sudden you're walking in pride, and then you look around and you're like, my fruit's all dead. Where's my fruit? I ain't got no fruit. Where'd it go? First of all, it actually wasn't your fruit. It was his fruit. Check it out. If you're just a branch, you're just a branch. And he's the vine. It was the vine's fruit to begin with. It wasn't actually your fruit. You get to enjoy it. It gets to produce a life of, of abundance and joy in you. You get to enjoy that fruit. But it wasn't yours. Have you guys ever heard that statement, pride comes before a fall? Okay, this is true. I just need you to know. It is true. Pride comes before a fall. And I had a revelation on this. Do you know why? Do you know why I believe pride comes before a fall? Thanks, Mindy. Um, <laughs> I think pride comes before a fall because when you're living in pride, you are so prone to blind spots. Pride says, I got this. I don't got no blind spot. I can see everything. I don't got nothing. I'm walking like this. I don't need, I don't need people in my life hold me accountable. I don't need Jesus talking to me. I don't need Holy Spirit telling me that blind spots. Blind spot. You know what I mean when I talk about blind spots? How many of you know? Blind spots are those areas in our life that we actually like require Holy Spirit to go, babe, you know you got this going on, right? I can see this. You can't. It requires humility to go, Holy Spirit, I give you every area so that you can say, honey, this is going to kill you. Honey, this is not healthy. Honey, this is hurting you, babe. Not for you. Let's deal with that. It's also why we need community. 
It's also why we need people around us. People who, hey, listen, listen, listen. (laughs) I'm not just talking about people that you like hang out with. I'm talking about people that you have given permission to speak into your life and to say, this is dangerous. You don't see this. I I see this. Or, or not even just the bad stuff, but like, hey, this thing that you're doing is awesome. I want to fan that flame in you. Keep doing that thing because it's producing fruit. People that can stir the affections in your heart towards your king. You need those people. And people that you've given, that you have given permission to do that. This is why pride comes before a fall. Because people that are walking in pride, they have a ton of blind spots. Because they don't need people telling them. They don't, I don't need, I got, God, we're good, I got this. Meanwhile, he's like, ooh, keep walking that way. It's going to hurt. I've been there. Hi, my name is Danielle. I have been there. <laughs> uh, I, have a, I was going to say I have a whole message on pride, um, but it's not for today. But that's, that's, that's the commercial, okay? You just got the 30-second commercial. Huh. So who is the fruit for? Who is the fruit for? Is the fruit for our achievement? Is the fruit for to prove we have this healthy root system. Look at my look at my fruit. I'm good. Look at the fruit of my life, right? Or is the fruit of your life a sacrifice to the one who is worthy? Listen, what a glorious cycle. This glorious life of a believer is to be so in love and so loved by the most high that we are invited to remain in him and him in us, and we accept that invitation, and when we accept that invitation, our lives start to produce fruit, we start to produce life around us, and then we get to lavish him who is worthy with the fruit of our union. It's my union with him that produces anything, because he told me already, without him I can do nothing. So it's my union with him that's producing fruit, and if that fruit starts to be the sacrifice of love for him, Fire falls on sacrifice, right? I'm going to get there later. I just gave it a little bit away. We get to lavish the fruit on him. It wasn't ours anyways. Without him, we can do nothing. We get to live in abundance and enjoy that the, the fruit brings, but we are producing fruit to lavish it back on him, a life offered to him as a sacrifice. All right, verse six says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. Sometimes you have to die a little. I'm just gonna say that. Remember that one time I was crucified with Christ? I had to die. I had to die before my branch was gonna be plugged into the vine and produce fruit, right? All right, verse seven, if you abide in me, it's about to get real. You abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. What? If you live, and the Passion Translation translates it this way. If you live in life union with me, and my words live powerfully within you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. Anybody want that? Anybody want to be like, Jesus, I desire this, and him be like, and it is done. This is the promise of the life of a believer. This is the promise of the life of somebody who is abiding in him and his word strongly abiding in you. And the word there, that word there for word, the word word. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I think I'm funny and I laugh and no one else laughs and I just, not. now I'm laughing because you're not laughing. Okay, um, <laughs> the word there is rhema. And we know that rhema word is the freshly spoken word of God, Okay. 
If the word, the rhema word is strongly held within you, this is why the word of God has to be hidden in our heart and not just in our head. It has to be take, it has to have taken root, right? His word powerfully, strongly held within you, and then you can ask whatever you desire, and it is done for you. Because here's why. When I remain in communion with him, when I am in life union with him, I start to look more and more like him. And my desires actually start to look more and more like his desires. They're unique to me. They're unique to my design and the way he created me. But my desires start to look more like his desires. They start to line up with his desires for us. And then when I ask him, it is done because it's his desire too. I actually don't want anything unless he wants it for me. That was a hard place to get to. I had to get to the place where I don't want it unless he wants it for me. I don't want a place of influence unless he has it for me. I don't want a place of authority unless he has it for me. Because if I, if I want it and I produce it and I make it happen, if it's my own act of will that gets me there, if it's the act of man that gets me there, it'll be the act of man to take me away from it. But if he gets me there, if it's his desire for me, then nothing can take me out of it. I only want what he wants for me. And therefore, the more in oneness I become, the more heavenly and kingdom my desires become. The fact that I only want what he wants for me, I'm going to ask my desires and they're going to be done. Verse 8. By this, by all this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. See, bearing fruit glorifies the Father. Just like I said earlier, it's not his, it's not, it's his fruit, it's not my fruit. It glorifies him. It's for his glory. So that you will be my disciples. Hmm. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I, I don't. I don't actually have to obey commandments. That's law. Actually, it's a part of abiding. It's a part of, a ma- of remaining. It's the fruit of a life remaining in him. It's, a, it's the fruit of maturity, obeying his commands out of love, yes? And let me just say this. I said this to a friend this week, and I was like, oh, light bulb. Obedience, actually keeping commands, is a position of the heart, not an action. So you may be like, oh, God told me to do something. I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to do it. It's actually a position of your heart. If you're doing what God told you to do, but you're, you're doing it in anger or bitterness, it's not actually obedience. Obedience is a position of the heart. Small little nugget for you. So where's the fruit? Oh, look at the commands. And then, and then hold on. Okay, all right, hold on, pause. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. How do you check your abideometer? Abideometer. I made that up. Abideometer. Like your, you see what I'm, you know what I'm saying? How do you check it? Check your joyometer. Am I abiding? Uh, where's my joy? Because it says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Joy is the evidence of a life remaining in him. Joy is the evidence of a life that is abiding. So if you're going, man, where's my joy lately? Check your level of which you're remaining connected to the life union with Jesus. 
And then Jesus follows up with the commandments that he spoke of earlier. Like he said, if you love me, obey my commands. And he's going to follow up with what they are. How to obey the commands of the Father. Verse 12. This is my commandment. You guys know this. I know you do. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his own life for his friends. This is my commandment. Okay, if you abide in me, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And then two verses later, he says, and this is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Christ love us? How did he love us? This is an actual question. You can actually answer it. He laid his life down. He laid his life down. He laid his life down for his friends. Complete sacrifice. Complete sacrifice. And I feel like I have a message also on friendship stirring in my heart. Maybe the youth will get that before y'all do. Because friendship doesn't actually just mean time spent. I think in our culture, we think like, oh, friendship is just, the, the measure of friendship is just time spent with someone, right? And so in our culture, if you go a couple of weeks or a couple of months without spending time, a lot of people will write you off and be like, bad friend. You haven't called me bad friend. This is like the cultural measure of friendship. But it, actually, that's not what the Bible says friendship is. Self-sacrifice is true friendship. Laying your life down for each other. Putting life on the line for each other is friendship. It actually means laying down your life. In fact, and I was laughing with Jocelyn about this earlier, but I think moms have a special access to more sacrifice. And like I said earlier, <laughs> fire falls on sacrifice. So I think moms in the young stages of life, young child stages, have access to fire, a special unique fire, because motherhood is 100% sacrifice all of the time. It is self-sacrifice, people. Listen, I will preach at you about this. <laughs> I have a four-year-old, almost four-year-old in my house. Motherhood is sacrifice. It is so sacrificial, right? <laughs> Lord. Thank you that your fire falls on sacrifice. <laughs> I have to sacrifice my pride, my way, my desires. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 15. And no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. Whoa. Whoa. He calls us friends, and he makes known to us everything that the Father has made known, made known to him. Like, sometimes you ever just read a verse, and you're like, how, 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 what, what? Like, it's so beautiful. I don't even want to say anything about this. I just want us to hear that. Again, I don't call you servants, for servants don't know what the master is doing, but I call you friends, because everything I heard from my Father, I make known to you. Everything I have made known to you. What? It's amazing. All right, and how are we friends? You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And he told us just above here his commands. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. I appointed you, I chose you that you would bear fruit and that in my name, that which you do not have, did not have access to before me, you now have access to 100%. That whatever you ask in the Father, in my name, he will give you. And our last verse is verse 17. These things I command you, that you love one another. 
So the fruit of our life is love. The fruit of our life is love. And the Passion Translation says love in all of its forms. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But those aren't the goal. Abiding is the goal. Because if we can stare at our fruit and just monitor the fruit, it can really fall into that act of our own will, pride, or shame cycle, because when it ultimately fails, then the shame can start, right? If we're looking at the fruit, we're looking at the wrong thing. But if we're looking at the fruit to go, oh, wait, actually, my joy is off. Check engine light. I need to be abiding. I need to check my root system. I need to abide in him and remain in life union with him and check, check the fruit. If you aren't seeing the good fruit in your life, Constantly remaining in him is the answer. How do we do that? How do we constantly remain in connection to him? I don't have the answers for all of that. But what I do know is find what stirs your affection towards the Father. What is it for you that stirs your affection towards him? What fans the flame of affection in your heart? Do that. Do that thing. All right, everybody just stand up with me. That's what I have for you today. (laughs) Put your hand on your heart real quick. Hmm, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, we want to be a people that produce fruit. We want to be fruitful. We want to see your kingdom come on this earth. We want to glorify you with our life. We want to lay our life down as a sacrifice back to the king. So right now, Father, we just want to check our check engine lights. Take inventory of the fruit. And check the level at which we're abiding in you. Remaining in constant Union with you. Connected to the source. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, we talk a lot about co-laboring with him. But the most important thing about that word co-laboring is actually the co-portion. The more co we become, the more one we become, the more we're able to produce fruit and see his kingdom come on this earth. All right. Jesus, you're good. You're so good. You're so worthy, Jesus. We want to be a people that abide in you, Father. We want to be a people that are connected to the source with a healthy root system, connected to the vine and producing fruit in our life. Father, right now, I just release over the room supernatural strategies for staying in connection. What it actually looks like to abide in you and you in us. 
their desire is to abide inside of us. about what it looks like to abide, they'll be happy to pray with you with that, about that as well. Thank you for being with us this morning. We love you. You're beautiful. And we'll see you, uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.